Are you tired of your boring blog? Then fall in love with your audience by visiting Just Add That. Just Add That is different from other blogs that write random stuff expecting you to be a pro. Find great advice and easy-to-read tips on making your site better than ever. Just Add That has all the resources to help you create a fantastic blog, so don't waste another second with your boring blog. Visit JustAddThat.com and turn your blog from blah to bestseller today. Do you ever live life with that regret? Or you always get told that stupid cliche phrase, live life without regrets. Well, guess what? We're going to talk about all about regrets and walking away from regrets in this episode. So stay tuned. Well, you heard it, folks. Live life and regret. Let's be honest here. You're not supposed to have regrets in life. Really a time waster if you really think about it. But let's be honest here. We all do it. We all live life. We go through and we regret things. And you know what? I'm no different than anybody else. But I wanted to talk this episode because, well, I did something really stupid this week. So back in December, I left my job. I think I remember telling you guys this in a previous podcast. And I was working for a school system. Loved my job. Um, There was a lot of things that were going on that I didn't love so much. Who doesn't have problems with that in their jobs? But I actually really loved my coworkers. Everybody was super nice, super great to get along with and everything. And I get this really weird phone call last week to come and help teach ESL. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's English as a second language. And I'm not very good at being bilingual. I studied Spanish for four years. Two years in high school, two years in college. Which really equates down to a semester each. So I guess if you're going in actual terms, it was like what, 20 months worth of education, and I've done a little Duolingo here or there. If you don't know what Duolingo is, you should check it out. It's an app that, you know, helps you to work on a language. So, I'd say between everything, I would guess I'm maybe about one quarter, 25%, you know, conversational. That's not bad. I can ask, you know, kind of for directions. I can ask people, you know, how old you are, like, where do you live? Uh, Where are you? You know, Simple little things like that. Um, Could I hold an intellectual conversation? Absolutely not. I sound probably like a five-year-old kid who cannot speak a dime worth of stuff. Hey, have y'all ever seen like Peggy Hill, like from King of the Hill and stuff? And like she goes through and she makes herself sound so amazing. And then you're reading everything translated and she can't speak a lick of Spanish either. That's how I feel every time I open up my mouth to speak Spanish. So the fact that I got a call to do ESL was pretty crazy. Now I have taught ESL. ESL tutoring online with a company called Cambly. And... um. You know, you just don't speak another language. You you literally are trying to teach everything in English. The idea is if you have somebody who knows zero English whatsoever, you give them a free five-minute lesson. So I usually go over body parts, like things that are simple to see on a camera, like your eyes, your nose, your mouth, ears, you know, cheek, chin, forehead, top of your head, hair, those kind of things, ears. I think I already said that, though. That's all I get for reiterating myself. So that kind of stuff you can do in, like, five minutes and go along and move on with your merry life. Most everybody that I work with is adult. I did have a, a, a child or two that I worked with. Actually, maybe more, but that I purposefully remember. Um, yeah, and they were they were great students, too. But, again, there's only so much that you can do on a camera. So the idea that I've been called to my old job to do ESL at an elementary school was kind of bizarre. 
And I really wanted to. I don't know why in some way I thought, if I go back and I do this, I'm going to like prove something. Going to make it better. Going to be better than before. Maybe I left on bad terms because like it was stupid. And I won't lie. The moment I said yes to the job, I began stressing. I began worrying. All I thought about was this, that, and the other. In fact, my husband and I went back to fighting again. Shocker. You know, here our marriage had been pretty good for the last couple of months. Things were, you know, just like any typical marriage. You guys talk. You guys disagree on stuff. You guys move on. But the fact that I hadn't even worked there for 48 hours and we were already having fights to the point of my husband is talking about leaving me says hmm something is not right and it was I was stressful I was a a bad word my husband was a butt too my husband felt like he was in survival mode I felt like I was in survival mode and the reality of it is as much as you can love people at a job sometimes the job is just unhealthy for you let's be honest here we had fun. We had our days. It just wasn't a stable job. It just wasn't. You know, the position that I left in uh, December, I didn't really know who my supervisor was. I didn't really know. Like, I knew my responsibilities, but I didn't know who I was really reporting to, what students I was going to be working with. Was I one-on-one that day? Was I taking care of all, you know, 10 kids, 20 kids? Sometimes it felt like more. Was I supposed to be helping this teacher or that teacher? I just stayed so confused constantly. And um, when I tried to quit, I quit in the wrong order, which kind of left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And so the idea that I was called to this other school, it's in the same district, was just really bizarre to me. I'm going to assume somebody somewhere really liked me, and I really liked them too, but... I literally worked there one day only to realize that my life was not at all what I wanted. It was it was just awful. The the job wasn't bad. The kids that I worked with were adorable. Um they were from Guatemala and they could not speak any English. They had learned very little the week before. Um so to get in there and work intensively with them was a lot of fun. Um, by the end of day two, we were actually able to hold small conversations, which I was pretty excited about. Um, so it's not like I didn't feel like I wasn't doing anything, but you know, I just felt so burned from before with all the different stuff that it just felt weird. It's like, you ever had a relationship before where you tried to meet up with your ex? Maybe you tried to be friends with them, but no matter how hard you tried, it was just weird. Um, doesn't mean that the person was a bad person. It was just awkward. It was just this really, you know, strange relationship. Like, do you just continue to go with the flow? Can you look past everything and just move on? You know, are you really ready to go back into being a different kind of relationship? And I just realized that it was just too soon. That, sure, I could probably work for this district again, but I... I needed space. I don't know if I'll qualify now that I've just quit this other job. But, you know, I need space. I need time to process, time to deal with stuff. And I just wasn't ready. And if I can't work for the district again, you know, be sad. But I totally get it because you got to have reliable people. You want, I know I want people showing up 
every day to my son's class and be in there and stuff. But again, it's not for everybody. Totally understand that. I just, I don't know, felt burned. So you have regrets. I live life. I regret. It's kind of weird though, because when I left the job the first time, gosh, I felt so guilty. I cannot tell you, like it is literally this whole two months been in the back of my head of, did I do the right thing? Was it a good idea to leave? Like, have I given my kids a really bad example? Like mom's unreliable. Mom doesn't work a stable job. Mom doesn't look, you know, credible. What kind of an impression am I leaving on my kids? I just, I can't decide. And so in the back of my head, I'm just living with this regret, this wishy-washy, whiny, sob story, blah, blah, blah. Uh, did I do the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Did I do the right thing? And the whole time, my husband's like, gosh, just shut up. Just let it go. It's done. It's over with. Just move on with your life. And he was right. So I drowned myself in my blog, my podcast. I've dragged myself into, uh, or drowned, I should say, instead of dragged myself into my other work. For those of you who don't know, I also drive for Uber and Lyft, and I also do deliveries for Postmates. You got to make a living somehow while you're doing this stuff. Um, someday I hope that I'll be able to leave those jobs to where I can do blogging and podcasting full time. But until then, I feel like I need to work on building my audience, which is why I do not charge for my podcast right now. Um, at some point in time, maybe, but as of right now, no, I want to keep it free. Maybe everybody else is like me and struggling too. Um, so if you guys would listen through for my sponsors, it would be amazing. That helps me out. But, you guys, it's a free choice. You know what I mean? So, anyways, going back to talking about it, I thought, you know, this is really my opportunity to make a difference if I go back and I do this ESL job. I've been working in special education. For those of you who don't know, I call it SPED. I've been working in SPED. Maybe SPED was the wrong thing. This is a different branch of SPED. You know, maybe I'll check it out and see how it goes. And as adorable as my, my three little students were and as fun as they were, I just... I couldn't do it. The whole time in the back of my head, I feel like this big giant X factor. And then what made yesterday even worse? Yes, I worked yesterday. I worked Monday and I worked Tuesday this week. Today's Wednesday for those of you who are listening to this later. Um, yesterday when I worked, craziest thing. A teacher, one of the teachers who'd been suffering with brain cancer for seven years died. And she wasn't at work. She was off work because obviously she was seeking treatment and stuff. And people knew that she was going to die. But I don't think they realized it would be this soon. You know, it was like last Thanksgiving, Christmas, that she had been told the bad news of, you know, this time it's terminal. Um, that there may not be a way out. She had beaten it before and she was determined to try again. And so this teacher went to bed and literally didn't wake up the next day. So you talking about a fun day to walk in and say, hey, I don't think I can emotionally handle this. You know, I think uh, just you don't have to take a break from the school system. It's, I just am too overwhelmed. I've got too many projects going on. I'm just I'm done. And, um, you know, they're like, okay, fine, great. And then an hour or two later, we find out about this teacher pa passing away. So I was like, well, crap. Timing is just everything, isn't it? So sometimes you just have life 
You live it. You regret things. Um, but don't let that regret define you. So that's what we're going to talk about in the next section. Alrighty, so I wanted to talk to you guys about living a life without regrets. Let's put it, let's be honest, guys. Sometimes we have regrets. It's just going to happen in life. How you deal with it is really what's going to define you, not the regret itself. Okay, do you choose to wallow around in self-pity until you have no friends or family that will tolerate you anymore? Or do you choose to give yourself time to deal with it? Maybe you need a day or two, week, month. Maybe even a year just to process it. Depends on the level of regret. Don't take your entire lifetime and waste your life living in this regret. Because you just need time to deal with it. When I think of a regret, a regret is like the death of a dream or a possibility. And it's sad. You need time to mourn that. Not to feel sorry for yourself. Not to just let it take your life. Like, I'll give you an example. Okay, I have an ex-fiance. Um, for the sake of, cha- you know, for the sake of privacy, because I don't want to, like, expose him, we're going to call him Bob. Okay? Not even anything close to his real name. So, Bob and I were friends. We'd been we'd known each other since I was in third grade. He was in second grade. Uh, we went to the same elementary school. We went to middle school together. We went to high school together. We were We were really good friends. And so when he and I started dating, um, it wasn't something like we just planned. We just kind of sort of fell in love. Almost kind of like that that movie in the book, The Notebook. It just kind of happened. He was from one income lifestyle. My parents, my, my mom, because it was just my mom and I at the time. Uh, my mom and I were like middle class. He was like lower class, lower middle class somewhere in there. And I was middle I won't say I was upper middle class because that's not true. I was probably more middle class than anything, middle, middle class. And so um, I had a lot of perks and things and opportunities that he never had. Um, His parents, you know, barely got by and paid bills. Um, He grew up on, you know, Medicaid. I grew up with, like, private insurance. I had best doctors and stuff my mom could afford. He had whatever his parents could get on, you know, government. I grew up without food stamps. He grew up on food stamps. You get the idea of what I'm saying. So anyways, um, so Bob and I, we fell in love quite by chance. It wasn't planned. And I never will forget when I kissed him, I was like, that is the man I want to marry for the rest of my life. I am so in love. We were still too early to decide that kind of stuff, but I was just absolutely smitten with this guy. It was amazing. And so, um, you know, he and I developed and our, our relationship blossomed. And I never will forget when he proposed to me. Oh, my gosh, I was so excited. But what the worst part of it was is I had to keep it a secret from my mom. My mom hated him. I mean, just did not like him at all. You don't know how he looks at me. He does this. He does that. He just can't stand me. And then the two of them would basically put me in situations where I had to pick between them. And. I wanted to spend the rest of my life with this dude. So the first time it happened, I chose him. And I went 
weeks without talking to my mom. Not because I didn't love my mom. And I know some of you guys are like, well, that's your mom. You don't miss your mom, this, that, and the other. I really just didn't feel like my mom was being fair. Like I could not get a word in edgewise. It was her way or the highway. It sounded very controlling, very manipulative. It was just hard. And she was like, I don't want you on Medicaid. I don't want you on food stamps. And I was like, I don't see those kind of things, even if it is a possibility, but why can't I just be happy? Why am I only supposed to be happy with somebody who makes more money than I do? Why am I supposed to be happy being this trophy wife, this, you know, this kind of predetermined lifestyle that she had for me? Like, it was like she didn't, you know, consider anything at the time. And I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but that's how I felt at the time. And, you know, I, I tried to go and, you know, live my own life. And it was almost like my mom was like stalking me. I was in college. My mom would call me, you know, it's okay to call your kid every day. My mom was calling me 10 to 12 times a day saying, I can't find you. I was calling like campus police to try to find you and stuff like that. And I'm like, I was literally in class. And why are you calling campus police to find me? Like, it was just really like not normal mom behavior. So I really thought that maybe, you know, she was overreacting the way that it seemed like. So, um, you know, I never felt threatened with Bob. Bob was always a gentleman. Um, we went out on romantic dates. I never will forget when he took me to this historical cabin and it was just the two of us. And he put an old boom box. It just kind of shows you the date and time in there. And we danced to Garth Brooks, the dance. Nothing happened, nothing sexual happened or anything crazy. We literally just danced. And there was this beautiful view of like this amazing field of flowers that was around this historical cabin. All these wildflowers, they were just gold, like yellow. You could see other colors in there, like little purples and little whites and stuff, but most of it was yellow. And it was the most beautiful scene. If I'd had a smartphone at the time with one of those super awesome camera features, I'm telling you right now, I probably have made thousands of dollars on folk. Um, if you guys don't know what that is, it's an app for making money for selling your pictures. And so, um, it was just this amazing thing. And so when we would go out on dates, sometimes we'd go out to restaurants. Um, a lot of times there was just these, these handmade things, you know, um, these handmade gifts. I never will forget. He made me a muff one time. He went hunting and he had caught a rabbit and he made me this beautiful muff. Uh, the thing that you like put over your hand, it's like that tube looking thing where you put both hands in there out of the rabbit fur. Um, because they, he and his family, you know, ate the meat and then they, he wanted to make me something special. So it was just this really awesome, like romantic relationship. And we were together for two years. But by the end of the two years, I could definitely see things were fading. My mom was always going to be a part of my life. And I told him that. I said, she's always going to be overprotective, you know, somewhat controlling. It's going to just happen because that's just her personality. And I could tell that Bob was... Um, just not feeling it. So by the last bits of our relationship, you know, everything had faded and, you know, he was ready to call it quits. I was not ready to call it quits, but I went on ahead and called it quits because I felt like it was going to be doomed no matter how hard I tried. I'm not even joking. I broke up with him in 2004. I was a sophomore 
in college. And I was devastated. You know, he said, you'll never see me again. I have seen him in passing, but he doesn't talk to me. He doesn't really act like I exist. You know, it's kind of the same thing with me. I don't go out of my way to say, hey, how are you doing and stuff. And, you know, he got married later that year to another girl because he was ready to settle down and get married and have a family. And so he met somebody else and he did those things with her and he's been married with her ever since. And I was just so mad, so devastated. Like that should have been me. It should have been that. So jealous of her. And she did nothing wrong. She did zero zip zilch, not a wrong. And one day, I got married in 2008. One day in 2010, I was sitting in the showers crying, and I was so mad. And I came to the realization that it was time to just move on and get over. Yes, I had been married for two years. Yes, I was still crying for this guy. No, it doesn't mean I didn't love my husband because I did. I just kept living with all kinds of regret. Like, what if I married the wrong person? Michael and I aren't getting along. That's my husband's name for you guys that are wondering. What if I was supposed to be with Bob? And, you know, it just, one thing after another, it just was regret, regret, regret. So one day I was in the shower and I thought, you know what? I'm going to pray for this guy. Maybe he and his wife are going through a really hard time right now. So I prayed. I prayed really hard. And I realized when I was praying, I wasn't mad at his wife. I wasn't mad at his kids. I really wasn't even jealous of them. I was literally upset with my regret. And I was letting it consume my life. It was stealing my joy from my child. I had a, my oldest son was one and a half at the time. And, um, my husband, I was still in my time with him because I loved Michael so much and I still do. And I thought, why am I in the shower living with all of this guilt and regret? I'm just letting it go. And I know you guys are probably thinking, okay, she's crazy. She's nuts. But when you love somebody like that, sometimes it's not necessarily an obsession or a crazy thing. I did not give myself time to process the debt. I automatically jumped from one bad relationship to another. I automatically sped through this, trying to bypass this through life. And I literally gave myself zero time to process exactly what I was feeling. So in that second in the shower, when I prayed for him, I realized that I was giving myself that time to process, to make it through, and I could let it go. And I did. And every time Bob would pop up in my head. I thought, he needs my prayer right now. So I started praying. So I started feeling like that with my ex-boyfriends. And so, you know, whether it was those little pop-up relationships that lasted a day, or it was, you know, somebody I dated over a year or two, or just a few months, whatever. If somebody popped in my head, I thought, I'm going to pray for them. So I took a moment and I prayed. I processed it and I moved on with my life. And I started thinking, you know what? You always hear those cliche things about living life with no regrets. I'm going to do that now. So where I am in life with uh, my last job, like I was just telling you in the last section, um, you know, I thought maybe I had regrets about my last job. But the reality of it is I don't. Um, I have not given myself enough time to process it. I really thought that this was going to be my happily ever after job. What I mean by that is when I when I took this last job, my boss that I saw, well, one of my bosses, I thought, this guy, not in a weird, creepy way or 
teeter way. This guy, somebody I see myself with for the next 30 years. What do I mean? He's a new teacher. I would be a new paraeducator, parapro, teacher's aide, whatever, same thing. Uh, paraeducator is what we call him in our school district. It's going to be this new paraeducator. Uh, this dude is going to be putting in 30 years. I should be putting in 30 years as well. I can see myself working with him. I can see us, you know, I can see him coming to my kid's high school graduation. I can see me going. He's not married yet and doesn't have any kids, but I can see him getting married. I can see his kids growing up and going to their high school graduations and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And I could see myself... Um, literally making a career with this boss and it being a team thing that could work. And I saw my coworkers and I saw the same thing with the other paraeducators that were in there. My principal, he was, uh, he had been principal, vice principal for nine years at the high school. He was brand new to being a, the big te you know, big principal, big dog. So I could see easily having a good 21 years with him. And this was going to be the it factor. I fell hard for this job and for this team. Um, it wasn't like, you know, we're going to be BFFs and have matching clothes. It wasn't like that kind of thing. I just thought I can see the rest of my life with these people. These are just amazing coworkers. And so I wanted that. And as the job unfolded, as the stress, you know, built, I realized, oh my gosh, I am devoting my entire life to these people and I am taking away from my family. My husband and I were fighting. Anytime I was upset with a student or something that, one of my coworkers had said it wasn't necessarily my team. It might have been a teacher that was in art class or a teacher that was in a computer class. You know what I mean? Somebody that had nothing to do with our SPED class that had ticked me off. Maybe they yelled at a student. Maybe they said something that I thought was inappropriate for our kids. Maybe they asked questions that I thought were just rude. Um, not necessarily. I'm just using those as examples. And so... Um, I was coming home and I had nowhere to vent and it was venting to my husband. My husband cannot handle that. He cannot. He's not meant to handle that. He's meant to be a support. You know, if one of my kids are sick, he's meant to be a support. We have a family member that dies. You know, those are his kind of jobs. So to come home and do that, it was really rough on my husband. My husband could not mentally handle it. He felt like that I was yelling at him. And scorning him when it had nothing to do with him at all. So I'm going to grab a quick break here guys. And then we'll get back to our topic. So I had to learn that you can't bring that kind of stuff home. That kind of regret. So I found myself in a difficult situation with my job. Uh, the more anxiety everybody had, the more anxiety I had. The more anxiety I had, the more anxiety my team had. And it was just this vicious cycle um, loved my students. My students were amazing. Um, they ranged from different spectrums, autism, downs, other kind of uh, handicaps. I could go on and on and on. But my kids were special. I loved one of my kids. Um, every day I would wear like a sweater or like a shrug or, you know, um, 
bolero or something like that. And he thought he was supposed to wear it every day. It was so stinking cute. It wasn't even funny. He was in eighth grade. He probably had the mentality of a, maybe a two or three year old. So the idea that he would come in and he would, you know, kind of yank on my sweater because he thought it was time to wear it. It was really stinking cute. It was. And he would just smile and spin around with that stuff. It was funny. And so, um, you know, it wasn't fair to him, my students. Um, it wasn't fair to my, the teachers and the staff, and it just just wasn't. And so, I never will forget my last day um, that I was working with my team, and um, my supervisor and I were talking. He had a monster of a headache. You could tell the way he was rolling his eyes, the way he was talking, that he just felt like crap. You could just see it. Um, and we were discussing whether or not to discipline a student. Uh, the student was a nonverbal autistic and the student, um, basically when he couldn't communicate, he lashed out and beat the ever living tar out of you. And so I wanted to discipline those actions because it's not okay behavior. My supervisor thought, no, we need to figure out a way to calm him down. Both of us were right and both of us were wrong. We just weren't working together. He felt like crap. I felt like crap. And the whole time we were talking, I'm literally staring at his mouth. And his mouth is moving. And I couldn't tell you a single word that he said. Honest to goodness, I couldn't. Because the whole time I'm like watching his mouth, I'm thinking, none of this has any relevancy on my life, on what I want to do. Because I really want to be a blogger. I mean, this would be a great opportunity too, but I really, really, really want to be a blogger. I really want to be self-employed, really more than I want to work in the education system. You know, I kind of gave that dream up decade plus before in like 2004. By this point in time, it's 2018. So yeah, 14 years later, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what am I doing? I'm literally wasting his time when he needs a good support team and I'm wasting my time too. I'm literally putting things on hold that I need to go ahead and take care of now. So there I was stuck living a regret of was I living the life that I wanted to live versus the the stable life. And um, I went to the board. I put in my two weeks notice. They rejected my two weeks notice and said, no, this happens right now. As of midnight tonight, you're no longer employed here. Um, you're going to lose all of your benefits for the last two weeks. So you won't have insurance until, um, you know, you get your new job or whatever. Like we're cutting you off of everything. Your retirement's done, all this stuff. And I said, okay. Um, yeah, I was a little mad. A lot mad, really. Um, who wouldn't be? But at the same time, I knew it was a possibility. Employers have the right to do that. Um, no matter how unfair. But let's be honest here. There's been a lot of times the board's been supportive of me. And other times that, you know, we've had to just let stuff go. So I thought, all right, I'm just going to let this go. Move on with my life and so forth. Golly, it was crazy to me. Because I felt this instant guilt. Like I owed so much. Like I owed this job. Like, you know, I just felt all this guilt, this regret. And I thought I had time to process it. So I started drowning myself in my Uber work in Lyft. 
and, uh, you know, signed up for Postmates, which I didn't start until after the new year in January. And I'm just trying to kind of process all this stuff. And, you know, I, I wasn't giving myself the time. I just realized it. But all these amazing things started happening. Things with my blog and my podcast started coming together. Um, things that had been out of my reach were suddenly right there. It was just a matter of finding a way to invest the time and the money and the resources to get it. And all of these things that had been put on hold were suddenly within my reach. And it was amazing. And, um, you know, money kept coming. I, I felt like God was really providing. I got my last paycheck. It was way bigger than I thought it would be, which covered pretty much my January expenses. So no matter what happened with, you know, Uber and Lyft, I was going to be okay. And I just kept, you know, squirreling away for the next month till I had enough for February, squirreling away until I had enough money for March and you get the idea. And so then whenever I got this, uh, this call to come and do ESL last week, I thought, well, maybe this is my opportunity. Maybe I don't have to have a regret for going to this job. I can go back to it. Things will be great. Things will be good. But one, I was listed as a substitute, no longer listed as staff. Okay, I can process that. Two, it was a $2 and change an hour pay cut from what I was getting paid. A little bit ouch, but okay. And then I realized I was losing way more because I was making the equivalent of almost twice as much money with my independent job working, like I said, the Uber and Lyft and my blog an hour than I was working for this, you know, for the school district again. And it felt so awkward. I go in there to work and I'm sitting here thinking, what am I doing here? Why am I in here? I'm not ready for this. And I'm going in there and I meet these kids and these kids are stinking adorable. And I think this is, you know, it's going to be worth it for them. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to teach them English. It's going to be great. And it just wasn't. I realized that the bigger regret wasn't leaving the job. The bigger regret was thinking that I had regret. And I wasted my time regretting it. So, moral of the story is sometimes it's okay to let it go. It's okay to let jobs go because they're toxic. Not because they're not bad. Not because they're bad people. It just sometimes is toxic for you. And um, sometimes it's relationships that you have to walk away from because they're toxic. Um, sometimes it's neighborhoods or the city that you're in. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to be easy. It's not meant to be easy. In fact, challenge accepted because it means that you have the ability to grow. I give you that. I give you that focus a gift because I want you to be able to have that kind of life that you want. You know, um, I once heard a story about a lady who was living in a perfect um, marriage, perfect scenario. And all of these things, she wanted to just be perfect. For nine years, she was in this perfection. And 
underneath it, you know, she was unraveling. Everything was cracking and falling apart. And she just thought if her parents found out that she would, you know, bring shame to them, that they were just going to hate her, that they were just going to tell her what a quitter she was and all this stuff. And the day that she finally told her dad, you know, this is not working out for me. And he said, you're unhappy. Come home. And it was the first time she ever realized that her parents wanted her to be happy. Um, we want so much for our kids. We don't mean to put pressure on them. We want them happy. We want them healthy. Um, I know for a fact that I would like mine to be Christian. I don't want to be one of those people that beats the Bible over their head. Bang, 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 bang. You know, to the point that they hate it, that they regurgitate it, that they, you know, spew it out everywhere. And it's all resentful. No, that's not what I want. I want them to read it, to embrace it, to be happy from it. Um, I know the kind of joy that being a Christian is for me. It's not for everybody, and I get that. But for me personally, when I'm in my Bible, when I am talking with other Christians, there is very few things that bring me that kind of joy, that bring me that kind of peace and hope. Um, when I'm going through a hard time and I crack open my Bible, it's like God's going to tell me it's okay. It's like I'm reading it. God's saying it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. Um, just, just trust in me. Um, it's not, you know, sunshine, flower, roses, rainbows. Um, it's hard. My preacher said it best, you know, if you're a Christian, it isn't a hobby. It isn't, you know, the latest, greatest trend on Twitter. Um, it's a lifestyle and it's a very difficult lifestyle. Um, you're going to have people who, you know, resent you. They hate you. Um, but that's just part of being it. But it doesn't mean that you don't have hope. It doesn't mean that you can't uh, bring light to other people. It doesn't mean that you can't be a beacon to somebody else. It just means that it's not easy. But you're going to grow from it each and every day. So that's me personally, I don't know what your religion is that you're listening. Um, it would be amazing in an ideal world that we all believe the same. But the amazing gift that I believe that God gave us is that we're different. Um, why is that an amazing gift? Because if we all thought the same, um, I don't know that that would be a very fun world. Um, I would probably miss out on a different spectrum of a situation? What if I thought an easy fix would be to do one thing when I turned out to destroy something else in another? Um, so I think it's important to have unique perspectives and differences. Um, so I'm going to leave you with those thoughts today. I want you to live, I want you to love, and I want you to regret. But I don't want you to dwell in that regret. Nope. I want you to be able to find yourself and to move on. And that's what I'm going to talk about next week. Is exactly how you can pick up the pieces. And you can just go. And you can just move on with your life. And I'll see you guys next time.